0: This is Ron Longwell, and I'm glad you're here today for another edition of the Jesus Society Podcast, a conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the Kingdom of God. This is episode 19 of the Jesus Society Podcast, recorded here uh, in the very crowded uh, Jesus Society studios uh, on Thursday, June 25th, 2020. Um, my uh, my little room where I do this and lots of other stuff is crowded because. Um, we are in the process of uh, renovating our bonus room. We've lived in this house for just about four years now, and um, that is the one room in the house that's not had any real attention. And it's uh, it, was, it was pretty nasty. Uh, it had old carpet in there, and it was just ugly, ugly, ugly. Um, but it's the room that we use the least, although it's the room my son uses for his little music studio. Um, so we decided he's he's his business is taking off and he's having more people in the in the studio and we just decided it looks awful and anyway so we've been painting and this weekend I think we're going to be putting down uh, laminate flooring if I can figure out how that goes <laughs> I've also decided I'm getting old for this kind of stuff <laughs> so my knees are hurting more than they uh, than they usually do um, but that's going okay. And so we've moved all the furniture out of there into the, into all the other rooms of the house because we're, um, you know, so my little, my little area in here, in my, in my sunroom, which is where my office is and where my little, I got lots of things going on in here. It's pretty crowded at the moment, but there is an end in sight. So that's okay. Uh, today I want us to think about, um, Engaging God more deeply in discernment and and decision making decision making and discernment is one of those things as Christians that we I, I feel like we all struggle a little bit with um, and I think there's some reasons we struggle um, and hopefully maybe some of the things we talk about today can kind of unravel some of that a little bit and and uh, m- make the make the process a little more peaceful and a little more, um, I, I don't know, confidence building, I guess. Um, th- there's, there's basically two kind of ways to look at the idea of discernment and decision, wa- decision making. Um, two perspectives. Um, and the, the first perspective is uh, that God has a certain direction or path or action um, that he wants me to take or to do or to be involved in, and it's my job to figure out what that is and, and follow it. And my, my experience leads me to believe that that is the perspective most of us um, tend, to, tend to have. Uh, th- that's a difficult perspective. And it's difficult because w- we sort of get stuck, I think, in, in, a, in a place of always kind of looking for, where's, where's the path? What's God's will for me? What does he want me to do? And sometimes we get really stuck, um, paralyzed even, uh, looking for this this one narrow path, and and how do I find it, and what do I what happens if I miss it, and the assumption so often in that is that there's there's one right decision among a whole bunch of other wrong decisions, and in trying to sort out and and find that one right decision, we we get paralyzed. Uh, waiting for God to just tell us exactly what the one right thing is that he wants us to do. And, and the, the question that I want you to think about in all this is, what drives that perspective? What, what, what's, what's going on there? Um, where's, what's our fear in that? And, and by the way, that's always a good question to ask when we find ourselves stuck or, or stressed over something. What am I afraid of here? Because very, very, very often our fears reveal our hearts, okay? And in this case, I think, I think the fear in this discernment, decision-making thing is, is this, uh, this idea that if I, don't, if I don't find this one right choice among all the other wrong ones, that things aren't going to work out, that it's going to be disastrous, and of course, the, the assumption there is that uh, I, I think if, if we can just figure out that one right thing that God wants us to, to be or to do, that everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be easy and wonderful, and we're, there's going to be peace and joy and prosperity. Um, there's going to be a, a total absence of difficulty or, or struggle if I can just find this one, the one right thing, then everything's going to be wonderful. And and that, that can get really tough. That's a, that's a tough stance to kind of take because what happens when we think we've found God's one right way and we still encounter difficulty or things don't go wonderfully? What, what do we do with that then? What do we do with that decision then? Well, we either we either second-guess it, well, I guess I I guess I must have got it wrong. Or we start thinking ill of God. Because most of us really kind of believe, and we talked about this a, f- a few episodes ago, I can't even remember when, most of us really kind of believe that a loving God just wouldn't let bad things happen to me. But the problem with that, though, is that the Bible seems to argue against that. And we, we talked about this. Um... Remember what Jesus says. Um, he says, you will have trouble and suffering in this world. John 16, 33. Uh, he also says, each day has enough trouble of its own. Matthew 6, 34. So this this idea that if we can just figure out the one right thing that God wants me to do, and all of a sudden I'll be living in utopia, that's a, that's a flawed perspective, in, in approaching the idea of discernment, that's a flawed perspective, okay? That's not the way discernment works. There's a second way of looking at this. Um, Rosemary Doherty, in a book uh, titled Discernment, A Path to Spiritual Awakening, says that in the process of living life faithfully, lovingly, And freely, we create meaning with God. And she pictures discernment more as something that that evolves in in the context of an ongoing partnership with God. In other words, I live my life in relationship with God, and as I seek God and seek his will, I move in a direction that fulfills kingdom purposes. God is at the center of my focus, and I seek to be available for God's use. Uh, She goes on to say that discernment is the habit of viewing all of one's life through the eyes of faith. And in that faith stance, noticing the movements of the heart to determine which of those movements are leading to greater love and authenticity. Uh, focusing um, uh, one on God, and which of them are, are turning one in on itself, okay? So, so the question is, is more about being rather than doing. It's about who I am more than what I should do. And it's lining who I am up with God's being. So the question becomes, how do I keep God at the center of my life? And that's not, to say, that's not to say that the first perspective is totally wrong. Of course, we're looking for the direction God would have us go, but there's a subtle shift in what's at the center of our decision making. So another thing about all this discern, discernment is a is a skill um, we develop as we grow in relationship with God. It's not an it's not just an act. It's a it really is kind of a a stance. Of of a being, a way of living. Okay, um, Ernest Larkin, who is another writer who has written a lot on the on the topic of discernment. And by the way, I'm going to have some links in the show notes for today for some of these some of these books and some of these resources that I'm mentioning. Um, but Ernest Larkin um, says, discernment in its fullest takes a practiced heart, fine tuned to hear the word of God and the single-mindedness to follow that word in love. It is truly a gift of God, but not one dropped from the skies fully formed. It's a gift cultivated and brought to perfection by a prayerful life and a search for self-knowledge. Now, that piece, that second piece there, a search for self-knowledge. We're going to talk more about that. That's a really, really important piece, okay? But discernment then becomes a a habit of life lived with God at the center. And, And this is really, really important. It entails that we need to know God intimately and that we need to know ourselves intimately. And we probably get the part about knowing God intimately but there's also something about the way each of us were made, the way God created you, the way he crafted you and knitted you together in your mother's womb, as, as the psalmist says. There's something about that that has got to play into the discernment process. We need to have this kind of relationship with God where, uh, w- within which God helps us know how to be and who to be. There's, a, there's an identity part of all this. So it's not just me sitting and waiting for for God to impose things on me. Rather I'm I'm changing my life to be consistent with who God is. I'm allowing God to change my heart so that my heart's desire is more in line with God's with with God's desire. Okay? Um so God doesn't want us to be slaves here or, or robots, you know, where, where, we have to, where we have to come to him every few steps for new marching orders, you know, where we're, where we're incapable of thinking or acting on our own. That's, that's not what you want. If you're a parent, that's not what you want for your kids, is it? I mean, you don't want your kids to be calling you at the age of 20 or 30 or 40 and asking you what they should eat for dinner or whether, whether they should take this job or that one or go on vacation to Montana or Florida. That's not what you want. You want your kids to be a little independent. We, we try to give our kids wisdom and knowledge and, and, and to impart our own sort of value system to them so that when they're adults, they'll be able to make wise, responsible, faith-driven decisions on their own. And, and yes, we're, we're always there to, to talk things over with them if they want but I don't want my son dependent on my input before he can make basic life decisions. That's that's not a healthy adult, okay? I think we'd all agree with that. But I don't think God wants that for us either. He wants to form us into his image, to to change our hearts so that our impulses flow more and more in line with, him, with his. Um, Dallas Willard says... That Jesus is looking to form people he can trust with his power. I like that. I like that. I think that's right. So, so having said kind of all of that, how does God? How does God guide us in this process of discernment of, of knowing Him and of knowing ourselves? I find Saint Ignatius um, to be really, really helpful here. Uh, Saint Ignatius lived from. Uh, 1491 to 1556. Okay, so we're we're digging back into the dusty, musty old history, church history. By the way, I'm about to do a series on some things we can learn from early church history. Um, that I think I think will be really good. Uh, church history has been one of these things that has just really, really helped me in my in my faith and in my understanding of who who I am and who our churches are and and how we got to where we got to. Okay. That's an aside. So St. Ignatius. Um, St. Ignatius had an, had an approach to discernment that I really like. He said that God directs us in three ways. So I'm going to give you his three, and then I'm going to add my own fourth that I think is really important. So he said that God uh, directs us in three ways. Number one, through direct revelation. And what he meant by that is through prayer and Scripture, okay? Okay. We've talked about some of that kind of stuff. Scripture is really, really, really important. Like, if you want to know what God thinks about something, check Scripture first. Okay. Um, God will also speak to us uh, oftentimes in prayer. Prayer is a is a dialogue, not just a monologue. And we've talked about that. So, God directs us through direct revelation, through something that He called examen. Now, I'm going to talk about that more in just a minute. Um, This is the the search for self-knowledge part of of all this, okay? So God directs us through direct revelation, through examen, through our intellect, and the piece of this that I'm going to add that Ignatius did not add, communal discernment, okay? So um, direct revelation, prayer, and scripture are our intellect um, that's not too hard to figure out. God has given us uh, good minds and the ability to use logic and reason to make good choices. He expects us to use that. Um, the other two, examen and communal discernment, may be new to some of us. Um, so I'm going to spend a little more time talking about those two. So um, let's talk about this, this practice of examen. Um, this may be a new word Um, For many, it's spelled examen, which sounds a little bit like examine, which the it's it's kind of a lot the same idea, but it's it's pronounced with kind of a long a sound, so examen. Okay, now you need to understand how Ignatius kind of stumbled on this. Okay, so he came from a wealthy family in Spain, and as a young man, he was a soldier. And he was trying to decide, as a young man, what to do with his life, as, as we all do when we're young. Um, and for him, it was, should I stay a soldier and have kind of a comfort, comfortable life at court? Or whether he should go the route of the church, uh, giving up things, making sacrifices, and so forth, and what we would call go into ministry, okay? And those two, those two choices forgot to shut off my phone. Hang on a minute. Um, those two choices, to stay a soldier or to go into, the, into church work, were very much in contrast to one another. Okay? So eventually, Ignatius was wounded in battle. And while he was uh, laying around convalescing, which took a, a long, long time in those days, um, he was lying in bed and, and thinking about this choice. What do I want to do? And he noticed something about his thoughts. Okay. He realized that when he was thinking about being a soldier, being a soldier and the, and the glories of that and all that would come from that, he would, he would typically have this um, momentary burst of energy or excitement, but that would drop off pretty rapidly. But when he thought about life in the church and the ways he could uh, pour himself into that and helping others and all that, he had that same kind of energy or excitement, but it didn't drop off or diminish over time as he started thinking, as the more he thought about it. And he began to notice patterns of thinking like that. And throughout that process, he decided to go the route of the church and he taught this manner of discernment to his disciples, this process of looking at what is, what is giving you life and what is taking it from you, what are, the, what are the blessings and what are the challenges. And he called this process examen. So examen helps us to pay attention to what's going on in our, in our hearts, which is far more important than we have probably been led to think it is um examine is the art of learning to pay attention of of what is giving us life and what is taking life from us what is giving life and what is sucking life okay um hang on a minute coffee ah. um so what is giving life what is what is sucking life right we all know about life sucking things right <laughs> um Ruth Haley Barton says um, that a crucial aspect of discernment is what Scripture calls discernment of spirits or testing the spirits to see whether they're from God, 1 Corinthians 12.10, 1 John 4.1. She says this aspect of discernment helps us to distinguish the real from the phony, the true from the false. Uh, In the world out there, but also in the interior world of our own thoughts and motives. As we become more attuned to these subtle spiritual dynamics, we're able to distinguish between what is good, um, in, in other words, that which moves us towards God and his calling upon our lives, and what is evil, that which draws us away from God. So Ignatius called these two categories of these, of these inner dynamics, he called, he called them consolation and desolation. Consolation is the interior movement of the heart that just gives us kind of a deep sense of life-giving connection with God, um, with God, with others, uh, with, our, with our own authentic self in God, who God made us to be right? It's the sense that all is right with the world, that I'm that I'm free to 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 be given over to God, to love God um, and to love others even in moments of pain and crisis, okay? It's this sense that I'm living out of the, the place that I was meant to live out of, right? Um, desolation, in contrast, is the loss of a sense of God's presence. We, we feel out of touch with God, uh, out of touch with others, and out of out of touch with our with who we're who we were made to be, our most authentic self. It's the, it's the experience of being off center, um, full of turmoil, um, full of confusion, maybe even rebellion. Okay. Generally speaking, God wants you to do more of the things that give you life and less of the things that don't. Now, there are some really important qualifications to that statement that I just made, okay? Which I'm going to get to in a bit. But that is generally true. And that's because God created us in different ways to, to thrive in certain kind of activities, right? Situations, relationships. Um, we, we've got to take... More seriously than I think we sometimes have, at least in evangelical Christianity, the 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 way God made us, right the 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 part of His Spirit that He placed within us, and and how He designed us to be and to function. Okay, um, some of that involves what we call personality. Um. Um, giftedness is a part of that, but it's it's who. It's who God made us to be, okay? Um, so we can learn a lot about ourselves by learning to pay attention to the things that are life-giving, what Ignatius called consolations, and life-sucking, what he called desolations. Okay, and the way this works, um, this is probably not the only way this can work, but it's this is this is the way this is a way it works for a lot of people. Um, you you get quiet and still. Um, so much of so much of good spirituality involves quietness and periods of quietness and stillness. And you and you you ask yourself these kinds of questions: um, What has been life giving for me this week? Where have I found blessing? What am I thankful for this week? What's been the, the high point of my week this week? And and I'm I'm using kind of a week as an example. You can do it every day, right? Um, but again, it, this is this is the kind of thing that becomes part of your life. It's not something you do only when you have a decision to make. You you make this kind of stuff part of your life, and you learn about God and you learn about yourself, so that when there are decisions to make, you have some tools with which to make those decisions. Okay. Um, so you ask yourself, what, what has been life-giving for me this week? And here's the most important question. You ask yourself, why? What specifically was life-giving about that activity or that encounter or that work or, or whatever? Why was that such a blessing to me? And, and take your time with that. Don't, don't rush that reflection process. Probe that deeply. Um, I find it helpful to write down my answers to those questions and reflect on it. But after you've spent a bit of time on your, on your consolations, on the, on the life giving things, do the same with the desolations, the, the, the life sucking things. What, what took life from me this week? With, with what have I struggled most this week? What is sucking me dry? And again, ask yourself Why? Why is this so draining for me? What about this is so life-sucking? And again, this is really, really important stuff. So, so again, don't rush this process. Sometimes, sometimes we need to invite God into the desolation because sometimes the reason it's taking life for me is because I need to address something uh, in my life. And, and God can bring that stuff to the surface where it can be dealt with through this process uh, this is a great exercise to do weekly um, it's not a bad exercise to do daily it's also really good to do monthly and even yearly in addition to doing it weekly um, identifying these these patterns over time is what really helps us with discernment now I said there were some um, qualifications to this there's some there's some Dangers to this, and it, and it's not really that examine examine is dangerous, okay? But we can sometimes be a bit dangerous with it, okay? Especially here in America. We we may have a tendency. I think a lot of people have a tendency to interpret the idea of what gives you life as whatever gives you the most pleasure and is the most fun, uh, or We might want to interpret what takes life from you as whatever is difficult or not enjoyable. Like, you know, working on my marriage challenges with my wife is sure draining. Therefore, I I don't want to do that. The Lord doesn't want me to to do this. And here's why this is such a challenge. In America, we are, every single one of us, we're all about half narcissistic. And, And some of us are more than that. And so we tend to think that fun and pleasure are the highest goals most of the time. And we sometimes give that narcissism more noble sounding names like following my heart or following my passion. And we tend to think that discomfort and difficulty are things that should always be avoided. And I want to emphasize strongly that this is not what examine is all about. Something may be difficult for you because you're being selfish and God may want to transform that part of you. But you won't know that if you don't spend the time and really unpack some of this stuff and ask yourself the hard questions and be honest about what's going on in your heart about all this stuff. The point here is to keep your motivations in check. Be honest honest with what you're feeling and why. But examen is a a powerful tool that can really help you connect with what is most authentic about you, what has been placed within you by God. It can really help you sort out your calling, which is something we haven't talked about in this podcast yet. And knowing who you are and what God created you for and called you to can really, really help in decision-making. we do this uh, as a family sometimes. Uh, it's a great way to connect, to help your kids learn, to sort out some of this stuff. Um, when our son Nathan was, uh, was younger, we used to just ask him, you know, we didn't explain all this stuff to him, but we would ask him, um, what, what were the highs and lows of your day today? Um, or highs and lows this week for you, um, or, or whatever, and we would have great conversations about that. You know, um, we, we asked it so often that he got tired of the question sometimes. But, but it, was, it, was, it was useful. You know, what, was the, what were the high points of your life this week? You know, what were the things where you really felt engaged or alive or joyful, right? And where were the parts of your life that made you feel bad or angry? or scared or frustrated, right? Helping your kids sort out that kind of stuff, even at a a very young age. Um, Helping them to pay attention to that and and process those emotions in a healthy way. That's part of your job as a parent, okay? Um, The reality is that God has placed a bit of himself within each of us, a bit of his heart in our hearts and learning to pay attention to that part of us responding to the to its promptings is what gives our lives meaning purpose and hope and and it also helps us discern God's activity God's calling God's purpose in our lives so this is a i think this is a really important tool in in helping sort that out now the other piece of discernment that I added to Ignatius' list is the idea of communal discernment, and it's it's really simple. And I'll uh, to to kind of tell you what it's like. I'll just tell you the story of the first time that I was a part of something like this. Um, I've got a friend who, uh, and this was this was probably eight years ago now. Um, he had been offered a really out of the box ministry position with a church. Uh, trying to reinvigorate itself and its and its ministry in the inner city. Now, my friend wasn't or isn't exactly the your your typical church ministry kind of guy. Okay, um, and he was really trying to figure out. You know, his his idea was like, I'm never going to work with a real with a traditional church. Just not going to happen. I don't. I'm never going to fit with that. But this church offered him this, so he was really. Um, a bit befuddled on what do I do with this? Because it sounds kind of cool, but gosh, it's working with the church and I, I just don't know that I'll fit. So he was really trying to figure out whether this was something he should do or not. So he prayed about it, of course. But what he also did was to call me and five or six or seven or eight, I can't even remember how many, other people who loved him, who knew him well, and that's important, and who he respected as people who were spiritually mature and and engaged in in a in their own um, real lively walk with God. Okay, and he asked us to gather together with him and help him discern the Lord's will in all this and whether it was a good fit for him. So we got together one night, the whole bunch of us. Uh, it was one night. Uh, around a campfire outside, as I remember it. And we started by inviting the Lord in the pro- into the process. You know, we were there for a purpose. We weren't just hanging out by a campfire. So we we invited the Lord into the process, asking him to guide our discussions, to bless our friend, and help us collectively discern his will for his life, right? So my friend started by telling us about the opportunity, um how it came to be presented to him, his hopes, his dreams, his fears, who he who he his his own sense of who he was and his his gifts and his calling, and then he gave us the freedom to ask him anything and to to probe him and help him sort through this so we did we we affirmed our love for him we confirmed that we believe what what we believe to be his gifts and his strengths and we started asking him a bunch of probing questions things like what is it that that appeals to you about this and what are you afraid of in taking this position and what are you afraid of in not taking this position loads and loads and loads of questions and sometimes somebody would ask a question that would that that, that question would prompt another question or statement uh, from somebody else, and it was a, it was a lively, but but very gentle, very peaceful, very loving kind of discussion. Loads and loads and loads of questions uh, based on our our own experience, our own relationship with Him, who who we knew Him to be. You know, sometimes sometimes our, the our, the people closest to us know us better than we know ourselves, right? Um, so what, you know, what his gifts were, what his heart were up until that time, I had never been asked to do anything like that with anyone. And I had never done it myself, but it was honestly, it was one of the most holy experiences that I have ever had. Well, he, he eventually made the decision to take the position and, and to my knowledge, he has thrived there as far as I know but he felt very very confident in doing that after that night because it wasn't just it wasn't just him the people that he was closest to and respected most and that loved him most in this world and that knew god the best like we we collectively helped him it was still his decision but we collectively helped him with that and he was much confident much more confident that it was the right call after that than if he had just done it all by himself. So so that that's communal discernment. Get some people together who love you and who know you well and who are spiritually mature, who, who have at least some experience discerning the Lord for themselves. Okay, Give them permission to speak into your life, to ask questions, to, to probe into some of the areas that you may be overlooking. Three times in the book of Proverbs, it says that without counsel, plans go astray. But with a multitude of counselors, there is safety. And that's Proverbs eleven fourteen, Proverbs fifteen twenty two, and Proverbs twenty four six. So this is biblical, and it is one of the most helpful things that I have experienced. So I want to say just a few other things uh, kind of at the end here that didn't really fit well anywhere else, but I think they're important. First of all, sometimes in, in discernment, it seems as though God is silent in giving you an answer. And sometimes that's so because it just doesn't matter which way you go. Not not every decision is a life and death decision. This kind of goes back to us imagining that we've got to pick the one right decision among a a sea of wrong choices, right? Most of the time, if if we're reasonably mature as people and as Christians, we don't find ourselves choosing between good things and bad things. Most of the time, we end up choosing between two or three pretty decent things. And one is not any more right than the others. They're, they're all decent choices. And it really is oftentimes up to you. You can, you know, God has, gives you the freedom to, to choose whatever you want. And here's the thing. Here's the thing that we just can never forget. Whichever way you go, God will go with you and he will bless you. And he will bless others through you. It, it, it probably isn't going to be all roses and sunshine, no matter what you do. There's going to be difficulty because that's, that's just the nature of life on this earth. But there will be good, and God will do good in you and through you. Okay? So that's important. The other, the other thing I want to say pertains to times when you think you may be getting a no answer to something. Okay, now the best story, the best way to explain this is tell a story. So when we moved, um, before we moved to middle Tennessee, we had decided we were living in Texas. And for lots of reasons, we we weren't totally happy there. And we were, we wanted to move somewhere further east. Uh, I've, I had a bunch of family that that lived in the eastern part of the country. And I wanted to be a little closer to them. Uh, our son Nathan was uh, getting, was out of high school and he wanted to make a career doing something related to music, and he really kind of wanted to be in the Nashville bubble to do that. So he was thinking about moving this direction, and we were we weren't particularly tied to where we were, so we we decided, well, we'll we'll just maybe we'll just all move, okay? Um, so he started looking around at schools. Because for him the big decision was, well, can I get into a school that I want? And he he found a he found a university, um, and I'll just I'll just tell you it was Belmont University in uh, in Nashville, one of the one of the biggest music business, uh, commercial music schools, uh, one of the best in the country. We uh, he, he he applied. He uh, um, we we came and did a tour. Um, came through and did a tour, and we both came away, we, we all came away, um, my wife and, and myself and our son, feeling like Belmont is the place. Like, oh my gosh, this is the perfect place. There's no place on earth that would be as good as this for him. Well, he applied, and for some, some reasons I won't get into right now, they turned him down. And we had prayed a lot about this, Lord. and our prayer was, and tell me if this sounds familiar, Lord, if this is what you want us to do, help this to work out, right? Does that sound like a prayer you've prayed? Help this one thing to work out, and that's going to be my litmus test on whether it's your will or not. And so when he got the rejection letter, Belmont's kind of an exclusive school, but there were some other things too. But he got that rejection and we were all crushed because we had framed that prayer in such a way that if we got a no answer, it was God's will that we not go. And, and we struggled. We were discouraged. We were depressed. We were, we were just really disheartened. And after a few days of licking our wounds, I was, I was having my quiet time one morning and I was just kind of pouring out my heart to God about all this and you know why Lord we just thought this was the thing that was going to be good for all of us what I was really discouraged and I got the sense this like this is what I feel like the Lord said to me in that in that moment what he said was Belmont said no I didn't say no. I had never thought about this that way. None of us had. The idea that that Belmont said no, and that didn't have anything to do with God's will. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, yeah, people, universities... Employers, they're all independent actors. They don't, they're not robots that just do what God wants them to do all the time. So I, I called my son, I said, Hey, let's go have lunch today. So I took him to lunch and I, and I shared this with him. And I said, Maybe, and I was very tentative because I, you know, I don't know at this point, but I said, Maybe this isn't a no from God. Maybe this is just a no from Belmont. So I said, let's, let's look and see if there are some other schools that maybe offer the same kind of thing in the Nashville bubble. I said, let's just see. So we looked and we found two. Um, there was Tennessee State University and then there was Middle Tennessee State University. And they both had programs that were similar to um, the one at Belmont. So we thought, okay, well, let's let's try this. Let's see, let's see if there's a, you know. Well, he applied to both of them. Both of them accepted him. He we came and we did a we did a tour of both the schools and and um, he had auditioned for one. And long story short, he ended up at Middle Tennessee State, and he just graduated last December. And let me tell you what there is having seen the way he has grown and been blessed by that having seen the way that God has taken care of us and loved us and blessed us all since we've moved here i can tell you for sure it was god's will that we move here but we almost got derailed by that by the way we were the way we were interpreting prayer so Discernment is a practiced skill, right? And sometimes, sometimes when you get a no, it's not God. Now, sometimes it might be, but it, this is a this is a practiced skill. It's, it's less of an event than something lived out in relationship with a father who loves you deeply. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you'll join us again next week. As always, uh, we'd appreciate it if you'd tell others about the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate us, review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you go to get your podcasts. Um, please visit us on our Facebook group for the Jesus Society podcast. Just search Jesus Society podcast. And I'm sure you'll find it. Um, you, you'll If you want to be a member, it's a closed community right now, so you'll have to... You'll have to request and we'll, we'll accept you. Um, feel free to, we just don't want to get trolled by, all right, I'm going to say it, stupid people, okay? <laughs> uh, once you're there, feel free to suggest topics for the episodes, uh, ask questions, and and really, really share your own story of how the Father is loving you and transforming you. Uh, also check out our website, thejesussociety.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, you are greatly loved.